0: Jay, uh, let the people know who, who don't know who you are, how they can find you online, what you do, and where you're at right now.
1: Um, all right. So to answer a couple of those questions, my name is Jay uh, on Instagram. I am Shanghai Soul, S-O-L-E, like the bottom of your shoe. Uh, I currently, well, I've been, uh, my profession is I'm, I'm a teacher at an international school in Shanghai. But
0: I am currently in Taipei, Taiwan right now. Yeah, so maybe we can start with that because obviously I wanted you on the podcast as, you know, I'm based in Canada and I'm following a lot of the COVID-19 news in North America as it relates to the U.S. Mm -hmm. and Canada. And I've been obviously reading articles, keeping up with, with what's happening in Asia and different places, but... I thought it'd be really cool to have you who's there right now to to really provide a perspective because the different countries are obviously on different timelines right now. So, um, are you, are you, you just haven't gone back to where you are teaching right now or what's your situation right now?
1: Okay. So, uh, I'll give you guys a little backstory. So, um, I teach in Shanghai, Shanghai, China. Um, and I know when that four letter word China comes up, like a lot of people get really nervous. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's, I left Shanghai January 23rd and I left because it was Chinese New Year. Um, And at that time, uh, Chinese New Year for our school. And at that time, uh, you know, we had caught wind that there was like a virus going around Wuhan. Um, But at that point, you know the the nearby cities weren't affected at all. So I flew back to Taipei because uh, my family's here and my wife is here, and uh, we just had a daughter, our first daughter, uh, our first uh, child, uh, January seventh. So she actually was in Taipei. So I came back to go see them because I had to, you know, keep working. Um, and now it is April thirtieth, and I am still in Taipei. <laughs> I was supposed to go. I was supposed to go back to Shanghai uh, February 8th and it is uh, my wife's family lives here so we're actually quite lucky to be around family but I've been away from home for uh, going on four months now and uh, there's a lot of people that have been reaching out to me on social media being like, oh, you're in Asia. Like, it must be crazy over there. It must be really bad. Like, if it's bad in the States, it must be 10 times worse in China and Asia. And I have to say, uh, the people got it completely backwards. It's, it's actually a lot better here than it is in the States right now.
0: Yeah, that's one of the reasons I wanted you on because I feel like people don't know that you know in a lot of ways you guys are and i think you described this on another podcast like you guys are like kind of in the future in terms of where you are in the recovery process so i would love to hear about that part as well
1: yeah um you know we are about a good month and a half to two months ahead of where you guys are in the states right now um so i'm currently in taipei Uh, I'm in a coffee shop. Uh, There is no social distancing per se. Most stores, when you are lining up to check out, have like a place, a placeholder on the floor that's like, please stand, you know, three meters away, whatever. But everything is open and functioning. And it's been that way for probably two months now. Yeah. yeah. So I know this. Say... That sounds crazy to hear. Yeah, I for know. some know.
0: <laughs> no, it, I think it is for a lot of people. So maybe let's start with the January 23rd timeline when you went to Taipei, right? And you were yeah. expecting to just be there, I guess, for two weeks.
1: Yeah, I was gonna be here for about ten days, and I was gonna fly back. And during that time, you know, this whole this whole. Uh, COVID-19 thing it really came at the worst possible time because it happened during the biggest migration period for Asians which is Chinese New Year it is like a global holiday and you know when when it first broke out it was time to travel and everyone just left Uh, they left Wuhan the epicenter and um, you know in Taipei they started getting some cases and then uh All my flights back to Shanghai got canceled. Um, And
0: and during that time when you're in Taipei, so describe to me the timeline in terms of obviously, I assume there was a shutdown for a little bit, the shelter in place, social distancing stuff. Like, how did that timeline work for you in Taipei?
1: Um, So I was here for about a week, uh, about eight days, like I said, and then things started shutting down. Uh, So. Pretty much what you guys are going through right now. Uh, stores were closed, uh, schools were closed. Uh, you know, very few public offices were open. Um, you know, there weren't a lot of people on the street, uh, and so it was weird because it it coincided right when Chinese New Year ended. So it felt like a really extended Chinese New Year for a lot of people. Um, you know, Chinese New Year is like a mandatory break. Uh, in Asia. And then, so they had that and then throw on the, you know, 10 days of quarantine and things like that. You know, people were just at home and, and, uh, and locked down at home. Like there weren't a lot of people on the streets, no cars. Uh, Like I said, there was definitely no shopping, doing all those things. Um, But that was the initial timeline. And they did that for about two weeks And then I would say after those two weeks, they started slowly opening things back up. But they put a lot of things in place during that kind of shutdown period so that when people went back to work and were back outside, they knew what was going to happen. It was like all over the news. They were telling people like, you know, uh, when you buy masks, you can only get them once a week or you can only buy one giant thing of toilet paper or, you know, the the Costco size toilet paper. You can only buy one of them. No hoarding. Um, it was actually very organized and systematic. I mean, people weren't happy about it. But if everyone's on the same page, there's not much to complain about. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I find it pretty remarkable that the shutdown was only for two weeks. Um, what was the what is the population size like in Taipei? Just as a frame of reference to, like, say, a U.S. city.
1: Um, okay, Taipei population is two point six five,
0: two point six four million. Yeah, so and that's and, a huge, and I think like huge you were talking, yeah, and you were talking about with the with the masks and and the way that there were kind of different systems in place. Tell the people a little bit about how – I think I heard you talk on the Sneak Disc podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Mm -hmm. It's like you could only get masks like once a week, and there was a way to track that stuff, right?
1: Yeah. So, so for example, let's say me and you are going to get masks. You can only get masks if you are a – first of all, if you're a resident of Taiwan. So you need like a Taiwan health insurance card, and that's how they tracked it. So you would go to a pharmacy and then they would scan your, because Taiwan is known for their health insurance. It's like one of the best in the world. Um, you know, it's, it's so, so, so cheap. Um, and it's like lauded as one of the best, um, one of the best. And so what you do is you go to the pharmacy, um, they scan your card and then let's say we pick it up today. Thursday. So I pick it up today the next time I can go would be next Thursday. And then they just they just give you a certain amount. Maybe they might give you uh, like five or six masks. And obviously it may not be the, enough for the week, but they expect you to be able to be a little bit more uh, stingy about it and not, you know, use one a day and throw it away. And so they say, in the beginning, it was actually three masks that would last a week. And a lot of people were really upset because they were saying, that's not enough. And then, so the government was like, well, no, use, use them for two days, like figure it out. And then, um, so they would go scan the card, and then I wouldn't be able to pick up for another week. And that's how they tracked it, because no matter what, in order to get it, you needed a health insurance card.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that's a lot, obviously, very different. I'm sure you've read the stories in the U.S. Just with the shortages of masks for health workers, mm-hmm. it seems like that mm-hmm. was not the case at all where you were.
1: Uh, there was definitely a shortage, and and people in the beginning, um, they were hoarding it uh, really badly, and that's what led to, you know, the president um, saying, you know, we can't do this. Uh, we're pumping out as many as we can, but we need. You know, citizens to abide by these rules, so that everyone has a fair chance to get them. Otherwise, it's just going to lead to hysteria. And so that was like a really—I uh, mean, don't get me wrong, people were upset. They were like, "Oh, you know, I—I I should be able to get masks if I want to. I, you know, there's—I have grandparents at home. I have so and so at home. It's—it's it's not okay that I have to—that I only have three masks." For myself but i have to try to get them to the rest of my family and so there was definitely some panic uh, in the beginning but since then things have calmed down a lot so now uh, i'm actually going to go pick up some masks later after this podcast and i think when you pick up they give you 10 now that will last you two weeks so you can only go once every two weeks but they give you 10 at a time
0: so, what were those 2 weeks like for you when the city was shut down? What was your day-to-day like? Like did you even go outside at all for anything essential and things like that?
1: Um, yeah, actually, I I was like things were things were not necessarily all open, but you could still go out, kind of like how it is in the states right now. Um, and I guess it just worked out for us because my wife Was in a post, uh, like a post care place for like after having a baby. It's like Taipei is really known for these kind of centers that kind of take care of parents. Um, And so it was actually quite easy for me because we just hunkered down um, in this place, and you know, food was provided and and stuff like that. So we didn't have to go out really to to go get things. You know, I I did go out a couple of times to go pick up masks, to go pick up alcohol wipes. Um, But we had it pretty, pretty good. Yeah, relatively easy to, like, take care of ourselves.
0: Yeah. And then once the two weeks was over, what was that like in terms of them easing the restrictions? And what was the day-to-day like for you then?
1: Um, So it was the restrictions were they came out very gradual because it was right after Chinese new year. That was when it was like the heaviest restrictions, like things were closed, like schools were closed. They recommended not being out in public places. Um, you know, the, the Metro was not fully functioning. There weren't a lot of buses running and slowly those things started picking up right when, um, a quarantine or like that shutdown period ended. And so they were just telling people um hey just you know be careful uh stay stick to like you know stay within your your own space try not to go out into like largely crowded areas um but you know things were open they said you know work work is open not just for essential businesses or workers but you know things were Pretty much open right after that, and just use your common sense. And um, it was actually it's, it's actually interesting. I don't know if, if we're gonna uh, segue into that, but um, it it got it was pretty good to attain, and then it actually it got worse about three weeks later. Yeah, so uh, that that's like a I don't know if we want to get into that right now, um, but it actually got worse like three weeks after things opened up.
0: Tell tell me about that. So the two weeks shut down and then they start gradually loosening the restrictions. People are going outside again. But at this Mm -hmm. point, can people travel in and out of Taipei or were those travel restrictions still in place?
1: So those travel restrictions uh, loosened, but uh, in some ways still stayed tight in the sense that you could only come into Taipei if you are a... Taiwan citizen. So uh, I'm in a bit of a a pickle right now because at the end of May I came in on a visa on uh, visa on site, and when you do a visa on site in Taiwan, it's a three month period. Now uh, my three months have been up already. I'm going on month four, but the government said that you know anyone that came in before this time we're going to give you an extra month because we understand you probably can't go back. Can't, you can probably can't go back to where you came from. And so the government gave an extra month. However, uh, what a lot of people do is they make like a day trip to Hong Kong to renew that visa on site so they'll go to Hong Kong and then come back. Um, under normal circumstances, that's what I would do. But because I'm not a Thai, like I, I'm, an, I'm an American citizen. I hold a U.S. passport. If I leave Taipei, I can't come back into the country. So that is still a strict um, restriction that Taiwan has. So that you cannot come back if you don't own a Taiwanese passport, or you're under 18 and your parents claim um, you as a dependent.
0: So tell me about when the cases started coming back, and what was attributing to that.
1: Okay, so this part is this part is really crazy, and this is where countries like China have yet to allow, because what happened was, um, as uh, our president so kindly put it in the very beginning, is that this was an an Asian situation, right? And so at that time, I actually had a lot of coworkers, a lot of friends who left Taipei, Japan, Korea, Singapore, China, Go to the states because it was safer there. There were no cases. There were no reported cases in North America, and so that was the place to to run to. Well, unfortunately, uh, it hit it hit the states pretty hard, um, and so as that happened, a lot of people were now leaving America to come back to Asia, and so that's when it when it spiked because once schools and colleges, high schools, and everything closed down. A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of young uh, students that were in college, Asian students in college, they all came back home because they were like, oh, uh, if if this is going to happen here, at least I'll be with family. And I hear Taiwan is a lot safer than North America, than the US. I'm going to go back to Taiwan. And actually, that's when cases started going back up because people were bringing it back into the country.
0: And did that lead to another period of shutdown for you guys
1: so it did not it did not lead to another period of shutdown but um when people were coming back uh the tracking of movement uh intensified a lot so um and also you know it's just it's just people being it's just young people being kind of careless because things were all open in taiwan so people that were coming back from the states they were like oh like we avoided it yes we're going to go out we're going to go to the bars we're going to go clubbing because those things were open now right like all those all those venues were, were open so oh we're going to go we're going to go play basketball at the park we're going to go you know shopping in, on, down, in downtown we're, we're going to go out at night and party and go karaoke and all that kind of stuff and obviously that's, that was a bad idea um, but uh they did a like the the country did a really good job of tracking anyone that came in so when you came back into taipei you had to do a mandatory two-week quarantine um which meant which meant stay at home uh they will be calling to make sure that you're at home uh once you were done let's say you want to go to the hospital like so i've been taking my my daughter to the hospital to get her vaccines and stuff and so when we go they always ask for our passport or the health insurance card to track where we've been. So they ask you, you know, have you left the country? Do you have any flu-like symptoms? Um, and obviously you can be, you can lie about it, but they'll track your passport. You're like, Oh, you you've gone in and out of the country. Like, Oh no, that's not okay. Uh, you know, whatever. But, uh, they did a really good job of tracking movement, Uh, once you came back to
0: Taiwan yeah and I think that's a really interesting point because I think it's going to reach a point here in North America in the U.S. and in Canada when the restrictions are loosened in different places that to avoid the outbreak happening again you're going to need that kind of tracking and a higher level of testing obviously And I'm not sure if people in the US, and there's already people in the US that I've read about who are gonna be very against that, right?
1: Yeah. Um, You know, like speaking about Taiwan, like Taiwan does that when you come into the country and uh, if you go to like high risk places like the hospital. Um, But in Shanghai, they take it to a whole nother level. I mean, I'm sure people in the States and Canada hear about like the the invasion of privacy all the time, right? Like the, like oh my god, it's all facial recognition. And to be honest with you, it, it is true. Like they have so many cameras on the streets, um, and they're they're tracking movement. They're tracking illegal activity. They're tracking jaywalkers. They're they're tracking uh, people who are riding bikes on the wrong side of the road. You know, it's it's all of these things. And uh, someone who. For someone who's been living in Shanghai for, this is going on year 10 now, I don't, it actually doesn't bother me that much. Like, I know a lot of people are like, how could, how, how do you feel safe uh, knowing that the government is tracking your whereabouts and your movement? And, and when I tell my friends in the States, I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything illegal. If, you know, it's actually those, right now, those protocols are in place to actually keep people like me safe that are doing the right thing and following the rules. So so to me, it doesn't affect me in a negative way like that.
0: Yeah, and I think, especially as it relates to just the current pandemic right now, people in the states are just gonna have to choose because there's obviously a segment of population that is in a rush to get back to regular life or some semblance of regular life. And it's either you're going to have to keep sheltering in place and staying home, or if you go out, you're going to have to accept some of these rules. Right? So, so
1: I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was talking to, uh,
0: some friends and,
1: uh, some, and the sneak, disguise were are in this chat group. And so yesterday, yesterday was a perfect example. Um, I went out to the Nike store downtown. Um, I went to go pick up some, some gear. Um, and I know like some people are like, Oh my God, you went to a Nike store. (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) But so I went to a Nike store and on the, right when you're about to walk in, there's a sign that says you, you must keep your mask on at all times. We will take your temperature when you come in and please help yourself to the alcohol spray as you come in. So I walk in, I was wearing a hat. I lifted my brim. They took my temperature with the, those forehead scanners. Uh, they at, they pointed me in the direction to get my hands uh, the alcohol alcohol spray, and then I went about my business. And I kept my mask on, and you know there were people in the store, and I was just walking around, looking at shoes, trying on stuff. Like nothing changed outside of those three steps right when I walked in. Like, would this fly in the United States? And I know that there will be people that are. That would be like, what do you mean? I have to wear a mask to come in? You can't tell me I have to wear a mask. Like, I'm not gonna let you take my t- point that thing at my forehead. Like, get away from me. Well, the alternative is stay at home then. Like, no one's asking you to go out. But if you're gonna go out, you need to follow these rules. Like, restaurants they do that too. This coffee shop, right? When I came in, they say, can we take your temperature and we're gonna spray your hands. Like, that's to keep, that's to keep themselves safe. That's to keep this business safe. Like it's not worth it for me that's going to fight against them and be like, oh, I'm not going to follow these rules. Well, then, I'm sorry. We're going to have to kindly ask you to leave. Taxi drivers here now, they can reject, they can refuse to take you anywhere if you're not wearing a mask. Same with bus drivers. And it's been put on, this is not like a private enterprise thing. Like the, It's been. It's on the news that's saying, we are asking citizens to please follow follow this like during this time right now
0: there seems like a lot of resistance from certain parts of the population especially here in the u.s and canada about wearing masks outside it sounds like to me that where you are right now there isn't a resistance and that basically the majority of the population has just accepted it and is that like a enforced rule that you you know if you're in public you have to wear a mask right now
1: it it's not enforced it's definitely not enforced um but you are it's it's so funny because it's like reverse like prior to all the all of this happening if you wore a mask in the states you would get layers like oh what do you have right like i would feel like that would be the popular reaction like oh why are you wearing a mask come on dude you're freaking me out now if you don't wear a mask you get those looks, like, "Hey, come on, man! Like, we're all sharing this air here. Like, put on your mask." You know, and it's like it's like reverse; it's flipped now. It's 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 not mandatory. And I actually took a video I was going to send to you um, of like I was standing outside of a mall, and people were coming out, and I would say, nineteen out of twenty people were wearing a mask, and the one person that didn't, I was like, "Oh, what's wrong with that guy?" you
0: know like no it's yeah it's 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 it's, it's, you're i think you hit it right on the head because i mean last week i had to go pick up something just like even across the street and i put a mask on i had gloves on and it was funny to me because i was pretty much thinking about the exact same thing that when life returns to quote unquote normal again or when they start easing the restrictions like i'm probably going to be going out and wearing a mask for the next like year at least.
1: Yeah. And so my uh, and let me let me put this out there is that wearing a mask is not part of my regular, like day to day, like living in China. I know a lot of people complain about the air pollution. That's never bothered me. The only time I've ever really worn a mask was maybe when I'm flying back to the U.S. because um, planes are kind of like Germany sometimes. And even then, it's not like it's not it's not every time I would wear a, wear one. Um, so wearing a mask is not a habitual thing for me. Uh, but it has become now. And I feel weird. I feel weird if I don't have it. And and I feel a little unsafe, to be honest with you. Like, I want to make sure that I'm protecting myself. Um, and I don't want, you know, I have a little uh, four-month-old at home. Like, I got to make sure that I'm taking every precaution. Um, and if someone around me isn't taking those same precautions, then I'm like, nope. Oh, Sorry, we gotta. I gotta stand away from you.
0: So in the U.S. and in Canada right now, well, where I'm at right now in Toronto, the the curve looks like it might be flattening, and there's been talks of there's going to be a framework of different stages of easing the restrictions. Although the government here hasn't put dates on it because it's still too early. I'm wondering where you are now, and you know you've talked about going out. You're at a coffee shop right now are there still things that are not open or is there specific because here we have specific gatherings of you can't right now have a gathering of say more than five people are there those specific rules in place right now for you guys
1: um the only rules in place are um kind of just like private business stuff like like i said i walked into the shopping center yesterday i walked into a mall yesterday and at the mall entrance there was a there was a employee like a mall employee not a store employee a mall employee that was spraying hands taking temperatures um and asking people to wear masks and then not only that but inside the mall at individual stores they were also taking temperatures and asking you to spray your hands so it's like everywhere you go you have to do it but in terms of like gatherings and stuff it's funny because um in in that mall, in the Nike store, uh, there's also a club, and the club was like it, this was late at night. This was like 10 o'clock, right when Nike was closing, but the club was opening, and I'm just standing there, like my jaws dropped. I'm like, are you kidding me? People are still going clubbing right now? Like, like it's it's insane to me. Like, and I hate to call people ignorant, but it is it's just like, okay, you guys clearly just. You guys just clearly think it's like a done deal, like it's over. Because I will say, it is. It is. A, it, it plays tricks on your mind because everything in Taiwan is open. Everything in Taiwan is functioning. There's nothing that says you can't go play basketball. There's nothing that says you can't be outside. Um, like if you look out onto the street right now, there's like hundreds of people like walking around, going about their business. Um, so that that part can get a little uh, dicey because. And, and you know, me and my my wife and I got into a couple of arguments because I was like, "I'm gonna go out." She's like, "Are you crazy? Like, why would you go out?" Like, and so we 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 picked our battles. So, I don't go out during like high high traffic times. So, like after work, like six o'clock. Like, I'm normally indoors and stuff. Like, yesterday when I went to the Nike store, I didn't go there till like eight thirty. You know, people are like back home already. So. I definitely try to avoid like high populated times during the day, but everything is totally open.
0: I think that's going to be for me personally, that's going to be a tricky thing. And I think for a lot of people too, once the different stages of the restrictions are being eased, like I'm not trying to be out there like right away. Like right now I will take just being able to go out, to do groceries regularly, or even just be able to go out and and go for runs or go for walks every day, which I know there Mm -hmm. are some people that are doing, but like right now with the way things are, and I feel like we know so little about COVID-19 that I'm not even trying to take those risks, you know?
1: No, I think that, I mean, but that's, that's the mentality that I feel like more people need to have, you know, um, you know, me and you are both big sports people, like, and, you know, hearing about them picking sports back up, like teams are going to start practicing May 1st and all this kind of stuff, like you're just tempting people to go out there. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to tell me that's, that I can go watch a basketball game, oh, well, then clearly it must be okay. And some people don't have that self-control. Like, and, and I said this on the sneak disc, like if, if your government officials, if the president is telling you that it's not a big deal, some people will you know the people that that don't think for themselves that rely on the higher ups to tell you well they're gonna believe you and that's a huge problem
0: yeah and we're recording this on the day where it's been announced that the NBA their latest plan now is to maybe try to play the postseason at Walt Disney and like every time I hear uh, every time I hear one of these plans and, and I hear about baseball potentially coming back i'm just like you're gonna look back at this and look at how stupid it was that in the middle of a pandemic we were still talking about bringing sports back in any form like listen man like you mentioned like we're both really into sports like i work in sports media like it would be beneficial for me personally if there were sports on right now from a financial standpoint but i'm just like man like that is like the lowest of the lowest priorities right now
1: yeah totally and Um, and it'll be hard for the regular Joe not to be like, oh man, like I would love to go to a game right now. Like, I mean, and, and granted, they're probably not going to allow fans in the stadiums. Um, but you know, I could I could already see it like, oh, we're going to allow people in, but you got to stay three seats apart. Like, it's just, they're just really, yeah. Like, I, I just feel like the priorities are a little off right now. These are a little off. And I know people are desperate. I know people are looking for like a sign of, you know, things like good, like finally, like a good sign, right? Like finally something good, some good news. But, um, you know, speaking from someone that's like two months ahead of you guys, like I am a little nervous for the States right now because I feel like, not that the worst is yet to come, but you guys are right in the middle of it. And it's a little too soon to just be like, Ah, finally that's
0: over you know for sure so I, I do want to ask you about your personal situation as well but we'll get to that but just for you right now on a day-to-day basis how would you describe how life is different for you you know now that everything has opened up i mean outside of the fact that you're not back working and things like that like just in terms mm-hmm. of your day-to-day mentality like you've talked about you know getting into some of these arguments with your wife about not going during rush hours when there's a lot of people outside but how are you approaching this in terms of oh these are permanent changes that are going to be part of my life for the next little bit probably until there's a vaccine um well okay so in terms of my
1: personal life like not even talking about work um just personally like i wake up you know uh i don't yeah there's a couple things that i do do differently i have to say like thinking back on it now like because i'm a big i'm a big basketball fan um so i actually like to play basketball too and back in shanghai i was playing two times a week um i haven't touched a basketball since january so since i've been in taipei i haven't played at all Um, the option is there but i am not going just because I don't know where other people have been. You know what I mean? Like I can account for myself, but I can't account for anyone else. That's the scary part too, right? Like I could take every precaution and still get it um, because maybe the guy I'm playing basketball with just came back from the States or maybe his relative just came back from the States, whatever. So definitely um, I'm really careful about that. Uh, I wear a mask everywhere I go. I bring a little alcohol spray in my pocket never did those things before uh every time i come inside the house i change completely i take a shower um so sometimes that results in like three showers a day you know like that's not to sound gross but that wasn't me before (laughs) um uh um i have like outdoor clothes and indoor clothes right that's something totally different like but in terms of like, okay, am I gonna not go outside? Um, no, but it, I would say that that mentality is like new. Like before, maybe like two months ago, I was like, you know what? I'm not leaving the house for like four days. Now I'm like, okay, I'll leave the house. I'll leave the house maybe like once or like every day, but I'll I'll pick my times when to go out and I'll try to be strategic about it and be like, oh, okay, I got some errands to run. I'll put them all on the same day so I can get all out of the way. So I'm not out every single day. Um, so yeah, I guess, I don't know. If you think about it, that's quite a big mentality change. Like I know not everyone operates like that. I, I certainly didn't. So I can see how, um, to like regular person that sounds really tedious and tiresome. Like, Oh my God, I got a plan like that, but I'm used to it now. Like, um, like after this, I'm gonna go pick up masks. I gotta go uh, pick up shoes that I had cleaned. Uh, but I purposely timed them all on the same day. I was like, okay, I'm gonna pick them up all on Thursday. I got some clothes altered, I'm gonna pick it up on Thursday. Like it, everything just falls on today. I, did, uh, I left the house yesterday at like 8.30 p.m. Got home at 10, I was only out for an hour and a half. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of stuff definitely is like just routine. My um, daily outside routine has changed, and just personal hygiene has gone up a lot, which makes my wife really happy because she probably thought I was a slob before. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think it's yeah. I think it's important for people to know this stuff too, just because routines are going to change, and it's going to be how it is permanently for for a little bit. And I imagine being a dad too that changes, knowing that you have a responsibility to that as 100%. well. One hundred
1: percent. Right? and you know and it's it's funny because my original mentality i was one of the people in this in when i was in shanghai right when this broke maybe like january 17th before we left shanghai i was still asking my friend i was saying like how bad is this like come on like i i don't want people to think like oh he's a you know jay's a doomsday prepper like he was already prepared for this He was waiting for this day to come. He was ready. No, I was the exact opposite. I was not wearing a mask. I was like, oh, come on. Like, it can't be that bad. Um, So for me to, like, go 180, like, I want the people that are listening to this to understand that I was not one of those people that was ready to accept a lifestyle change.
0: And it's a very hard thing for people to accept. I mean, for me... Like a lot of other people, it was when the NBA shut down, when the Rudy Gobert thing happened, that was when it was like, all right, this is really serious. Like it was one of those things, obviously you're following the news and you hear about cases. And I think, I don't know if it's, I don't think we were careless, but I think it was just more, it's really hard to accept that this is something that you're a part of.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, in today's society, it's like we're it's 2020, like we should have plan backup like plans on top of plans on top of plans in order to handle these situations and this clearly has rocked the entire world saying like no you guys like we are not prepared and and even then even when the nba shut down outside of oh my god this is serious my next thought and this is me being naive and you know ignorant i was like oh no my fantasy basketball season <laughs>
0: Yeah, we were just about to start the playoffs in my league.
1: Yeah, I was in first place. I was like, no, like my fantasy basketball season. Like, are you kidding me? I got to split it four ways now with the (laughs) remaining playoff teams. Like, I'm not going to do that. And so, you know, I like (laughs) went on an epic rant about Rudy. Like, damn you, Rudy. Like, look what you did. I know. I mean, looking back, obviously, he's the he's patient zero but he probably wasn't the first person to get it if you re- like realistically thinking back you know like but yeah that's it's yeah i my mentality is very different i'm still maybe on the lax end of it but even then my safety precautions for myself and others around me is pretty high
0: so with the situation in Taipei right now are you still following in terms of updates? Are there still cases each day, even though even if it's a minimal amount? Or where's where are they at right now?
1: Yeah, so um, you know the, the the cases are really low. There haven't there hasn't been a death in quite a long time, to be honest with you. There ha- there was a spike in cases because um, what happened was these naval officers. This is like a. This was like huge news, like a week ago, like a week, two weeks ago, is because these uh, these uh, naval officers were were back from their trip and they, you know, landed in Taipei, uh, in Taiwan, and then they all spread out and a couple of them had it, so everyone was freaking out, saying so like, "Oh my God!" They went like they spread it again because you know they have wives and girlfriends and family and. They went out to hotels and restaurants, and and so there was like a large spike when that happened, and the, you know the the admirals and everything were catching a lot of heat because they were saying like, how did you guys not do proper testing when you got docked? Like, how, like how did that happen? Like, and so there was that there was that whole issue, um, but I think the other day, maybe like a week ago, they had said like no new cases for you know. Like a week a week so and so it's been it's been pretty quiet and it's been pretty contained um, I've been keeping up with Shanghai a lot because as you know like I said earlier I can't go back like right now Shanghai has China in general has, is not allowing foreigners back into the country um, unless you are unless you have essential business um, so even though I have a visa And there are flights. I can't get on that flight because China will not let me in because I'm not a Chinese national. So uh, our school actually has a plan to open May 6th. Uh, High school. Seniors and juniors are going to be going back to school May 6th. And I know people that are listening right now are like, what? Right? Like, Jay went to a Nike store and school's opening? Like, what's going on? Um, But, yeah, like school's opening in two weeks less than two weeks in a week Um, and I teach fifth grade and the plan is for fifth grade students to go back May 26 and if everything goes according to plan um, the students will be back May 26 but I will not be so I will continue to do distance learning while the kids are physically at school
0: so there's really no date right now for you in terms of when you're gonna be back in Shanghai
1: 100 percent and it's it's so frustrating because even though i have to say i'm blessed because i'm in a very safe place i'm in taipei where everything is up and running um my family lives here like i said earlier but not being able to sleep in my bed not being able to my dog has been staying with um, our like a like a dog sitter for three months now like, I you know like I haven't been home in since January 23rd.
0: No, I think anybody can understand just having your routine disrupted and not just being at home where your home is must be yeah. really disruptive for you. But based on the numbers, it you know, obviously it does make sense for for things to start opening up because <laughs> it's funny because here in Canada there's there's been huge numbers of cases and deaths in quebec city and they've already Mm -hmm. talked about opening up schools in may and i'm reading that news and i'm saying man if i had a kid i'm not bringing them back to school right now
1: yeah so uh our school has a lot of plans in place they're gonna be uh sending like surveys to see you know whether you are in shanghai physically and if you are in shanghai you know, Do you feel comfortable sending your child to school? Because obviously right now they have the option. They could be in Shanghai, but still choose to do distance learning, which I am now entering week 12. <laughs> I'm on week 12 of distance learning. Think about that. Like to all the people that uh, maybe some of your listeners are teachers, you know, they they're losing their minds. Having to do at home learning for, or parents that might listen, they might be thinking, "Oh my God, I've been doing this for three weeks, four weeks. I can't take it anymore. I'm on. I'm going into week thirteen next week of distance learning."
0: Yeah, my sister has two kids, and I know she's been doing the home teaching thing, and I've seen a lot of mm-hmm. people talk about it on Twitter. So, yeah. so what's next for you in terms of you know, obviously you're going to be in Taipei for uh, a little awesome. bit what's the next step now because it seems like the pandemic is pretty well controlled there for now is now just you know everybody continue to practice their public safety measures and then you just wait till there's a vaccine
1: yeah so i mean in terms of being in taiwan that's the plan just wait until you know some news about a vaccine possibly um but i think my next biggest change will be when china announces that foreigners can come back in um, because that will bring a whole new set of problems because like I said earlier with Taipei when they allowed people to come back is that's when cases spiked and I know China definitely does not want that to happen so they're they're very tight-lipped about what's you know we have no idea Um, I have no idea when I'll be able to fly back to Shanghai um it's anyone's guess and then um When that happens, unfortunately, because of the baby, I don't want to be in that first wave of people rushing to get back because it's gonna be crazy, you know? There's gonna be a lot of people. And um, I don't know how up-to-date people in the States are or Canada are about the procedures, but there was a period when we could have gone back to Shanghai before they closed their borders but there was a very uh, lengthy test involved. You know, you had to do um, the nucleic acid test. Um, you had to wait in the facility to, to get the results. Um, you know, there were long lines. Some people were reporting a 10-hour wait time, and that's just too strenuous to carry, like to, to take a baby through. So uh, I'm assuming that once the border's open, it'll still be... A long wait because there's going to be a mad dash of people trying to get back in so you know the plan is right now is once they announce we'll wait two to three weeks after that and then we'll think about flying back
0: i think the travel restrictions thing is really interesting too because for me here in canada they've continued to extend no non-essential travel from the u.s Mm -hmm. into our country and, mm-hmm. I mean, personally, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, I don't want people from the U.S. coming in for, like, the next two years. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, like, um, uh, China has said, like, if you're non-essential, like, then we don't want you back here. And there was a lot of backlash because people were like, oh, like, China's the one that started it. And now they're not letting people in. Like, it's so ironic. It's so, you know, what? it's you know it's uh like look what they're doing It's so it's not fair but i mean it's understandable like you don't if you let people in and you just allow travel back and forth you're just it's a never-ending cycle it's just going to keep spreading so you know you got to kind of draw the line you got to take a hard stance and just be patient that's what i'm trying to do right now
0: i think to It's interesting you mentioned that. I'm I'm sure you've seen, you know, increase, you've read about the increase in hate crimes with Asian Americans in the U.S. Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of this. But I'm thinking with all the things that you've told me, like foreigners must be getting discriminated there too, right? Because I'm sure they're getting looked at differently knowing that some of them did bring the cases in, right?
1: It's really bad. It's actually pretty bad in, in China. Um, not so much Shanghai because Shanghai is such an international city. Like Shanghai is like New York. Um, but there were some, you know, it was it was going around in Chinese social media about discrimination against uh, against like foreigners, like even even um, landlords kicking foreigners out of their apartments because they didn't want foreigners um, living in their property you know like not allowing certain foreigners to eat at restaurants saying like oh sorry we're not serving foreigners right now so and when i saw that happening and then and what's happening in the states i was just like what is going on you know there's like racism sideways racism reverse racism like it's just like ev- like everyone's in a panic everyone's trying to point fingers at each other and it's really depressing to see it's it's really sad
0: yeah, I mean I've been telling people, you know, the world is already fucked up before the pandemic hit. And it's still gonna be fucked up after too, and that's like the really well I mean depressing part.
1: One one hundred percent, you know, like I know a very common feeling was uh, you know, Trump kind of let let racists feel safe like acting racist right and then but right now like during this time of need and critical situation like you're really seeing people's true colors come out you know like it's bringing out a side of people that maybe they they hid but fear can make people do crazy things
0: yeah just a few more things and then we can finally talk about sneakers and and (laughs) non-global pandemic things i'm just thinking about like, I've thought about, you know, places that I would usually go to and what that's going to be like when it opens up. And I feel like you've touched on it a lot in terms of, say, going to a basketball court and just playing ball um, and, and things that you have to think twice about. What are the restaurants looking like right now? Because I can't imagine being in a crowded restaurant when the restrictions ease up. So
1: in Taiwan, all there is is the temperature checks. Temperature check when you come in and making sure that you um, use the alcohol spray. Like, I went out to eat last night um, and there's no restrictions. I know Shanghai has, like, sort of, like, a social distancing thing going on, where you know, they they, they don't put people at tables close to each other. So it might be, um, you sit at one table, like, your party sits at one table, and then the next table would be, like, three tables away. Um, but Shanghai, from what I know, from what I see from my friends that are there right now, is open and, you know, it's pretty functioning right now. Like, my friends just showed, uh, took a video and they were sitting at the park with their dog, with other people around, like throwing the frisbee around. And even though I'm in Taipei, and I could have been doing that two months ago, like, I looked at that video and I was like, hmm, that must be nice, even though I'm, <laughs> I'm able to do that here. But I was just like, at least they're home and being able to do it. And it's just like a very surreal feeling. And I know people when I when I'm out and you know, on my on my IG stories, when I'm out like, showing a video, people must be like, Oh, that must be nice. He's walking around, like he's socializing with people. Um, he's able to go to go so and so, he's able to to go line up for sneakers or enter a raffle. I know those are for the sneakerhead yeah i miss those days
0: yeah even just going out for like a two-hour walk right now like i would like i would pay a lot of money to, to be able to do that in peace and and just be able to have some semblance of a normal life so before we move on i know you've touched a lot on this topic but i'm wondering if there's anything else you want to tell people that are, you know, listening that are in the U S and in Canada, that things that they should know because you guys are obviously ahead of the schedule right now.
1: Yeah. Um, I think one thing and don't, I I really want to say this like very carefully because I don't want, I am not in a position to tell people what to do, right? Like I am no authoritative figure. I don't like, I am just like everyone else. Like, it's just that I've gone through it first. Right. And I'm kind of like a little bit ahead of you guys in terms of this whole experience. But, you know, I'm an American and I just get a feeling that the American mentality just doesn't like being told what to do. Right. And in this situation, we talked about it earlier. You have two choices. You abide by the rules. You know, you abide by the rules that are set in place by the government or by businesses to keep yourself and other people safe. Or if you're not OK with it, then stay home. Like those are really the two options. And unfortunately, the, the North American spirit doesn't necessarily like that. You know, it's like the second you're told don't do it, you want to go do it even more. Or you want to fuck the trend or you want to be a, you don't want to be a rule follower. But I think in this situation you need to be, and that's really difficult for some people. Um, and unfortunately it's you know, the consequences are very dangerous for, for, for those that don't. And so what I would say is like you just have to be careful. You have to err on the side of caution, which not a lot of people like to do.
0: Once again, man, you can just call them idiots. Um, like, <laughs> no, seriously. Um, like I've, I've kept saying like the dumbest people in the world are the ones that are deciding how long this pandemic is going to be. Oh,
1: like, oh, and, and, that, and that's making it worse for everyone else. Like I was watching CNN and this was maybe two weeks ago. And they were they did they, they did a feature on Detroit, Michigan, who at that time had the number three highest cases. And then you had people that were out on the street, like in their cars, trying to cause traffic. First of all, you're not causing traffic because there's no other cars on the street. And I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. And then they were interviewing people and then they were like, oh, like, why aren't you at home? And it's like, oh, like, I'm, like this is the American way. You can't tell me what to do. If I want to go to work, I should be able to go to work. And I'm just like, I'm watching it And I'm like talking to my baby and I'm like, do you see this? (laughs) Like, I don't understand. Do you understand what's going on? Because I don't understand what's going on. And it's just like, I'm just like shaking my head and I can, I had to like turn off the news, right? Like I can only watch the news, Taiwan news and USA news for like 30 minutes a day because anything over that and it, it just becomes like ridiculous to me. No offense to anyone, but it's just like, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch how stubborn people are. Like, it's the stubbornness, it's the arrogance. It, it really is. it Doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you, you can have your, you can have, you can have your own beliefs. Like, no one is telling you, no one is telling you to change your beliefs. But you got to do this for your family. You got to do this for other people. Like you know if you if you want to be reckless you're not just hurting yourself you're hurting others around you strangers around you um and that's going to get so dangerous
0: no, i think that's really well said so since i had you on to provide this insight i'll allow you to talk sneakers as well um <laughs> Let's
1: be be honest. This this is the
0: this is the real reason why you (laughs) had. Oh, this could this could this could be a whole other podcast. But I think well, we've we've referenced the Sneak disc podcast a few times on this show, and I just want to let anyone know. You know, anyone that's into sneakers, like that is legit to me. The best sneaker podcast. Uh, I love what those guys do, and. I think that's how i found you on instagram because you had guests Mm -hmm. appeared on a few shows and i really like your perspective on things and you've helped me out provide insight on a few sneaker features that i've done myself so i really appreciate that as well so uh, i want to know just a little bit about your story because i've known you as the jordan one guy what when did sneakers (laughs) become a thing for you personally
1: Okay, so uh, before we get started on that, I gotta say thank you for reaching out to me, uh, not just for this episode, but you know having me on as a feature for your articles. Um, I have, a, we actually have a lot of Canadian teachers at my school, and one of them read a piece on Yahoo Canada without me saying anything. Like I didn't put it on my Instagram or tell him, um, but he was reading your article on Yahoo Canada, and it was basketball related and he came across my name and he put it into our school message board and was like wtf what is going on here uh why is why is j the um a part of yahoo canada and um my wife saw that and she got a kick out of it so i appreciate you always reaching out to me because I, i i am in no way an expert um I just, I'm just a guy who likes sneakers and uh, I started my first pair of shoes that I remember like, you know, just like sleeping with on my bed. Like I remember I was like, I can't wear, I can't wait to wear these the next day, like lace them up like three, four times. Got to make sure that both the lace tips match, like, um, was the Charles Barkley, uh, the CB2s, um. And that was, like, my most coveted pair at the time. And that was when I was in, like, fifth grade, sixth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. Um, and I was always a, a big sneaker guy. Um, I worked at Finish Line uh, in college. And at that time, I wasn't actually a big Jordan guy. I was just really into basketball shoes. Like, I just bought so many basketball shoes because I used to love playing basketball. Um and I, I had you know, the T Max. I had Gilbert Arenas, Gil Zeros. I had Kobe's. Um, you know, I had had them all. And then it was when I moved to Shanghai in two thousand eleven. My, my buddy was making fun of me, and he's like, "Why do you have like eight pairs of KD sevens? It's like, "This is like the dumbest investment I've ever seen. Like, first of all, they're not they're not valuable. So it's like you buy these like trash like not trash shoes because i love kd7s but he's like why why do you have eight pairs of kd7s he's like why don't you collect something more valuable and i thought about it and i was like okay and that was before the whole jordan one wave hit you know i mean if you ask some you know jordan one fans they, they would say that jordan one never really went away which is true but um at that at that time you could still get a pair of jordan ones for like 200 or a little bit less like I remember Shattered Backboards at that time were the most expensive and when I picked up that pair when they first came out and I, got, I had to pay at resale but at that time they were only like three fifty, and I was like, oh, that's so expensive if you go on Stock gigs now they're like $1,200 um, yeah. so yeah, I started off with Jordan 1s and um, never really looked back I mean, I have some other shoes too but uh, I would say that the Jordan 1 is definitely the pair that I'm the most known for
0: yeah, I think you mentioned this earlier, but for people listening, you were in Baltimore and then you moved to Shanghai. I guess it would have been about ten years ago now, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah. So I was.
1: First, uh, I was uh, a
0: so, and uh, first of all, um, you're welcome for the clout at your school uh, <laughs> on your school message board. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think, um, I think I think four people four people said the WTF and then. Uh, and then that, was, that was all the clout I got for that one day.
0: <laughs> I, I always get a kick out of those stories. It's it's cool. And, you know, I think you probably would agree with me. Like, I mean, I reach out to people like you for those sneaker stories because a lot of people in sneakers, especially when they're more established, they're just not willing to say anything. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, I tot- no, I totally know what you mean. It's like, you know, if, if you're seated, it's kind of hard to be like be sucked. Right. Like if, if Jimmy Jazz is going to throw you a pair of free Jordan fives, it's hard for you to go online and say, uh, yeah, these Jordan fives suck. I'm going to I'm going to give them away. Right. Like it's it's kind of it's kind of rude. But for, for someone like me who uh, doesn't get seeded anything, uh, it's easy for me to give my honest opinion on stuff.
0: Yeah, I'll get seated occasionally here, but I'll still talk shit because they don't listen to my podcasts and stuff. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to ask you to, and I guess I should preface this. So, like, I'm really curious about how different sneaker culture is in where you are now versus in the U.S. And you have a good perspective because you've lived in both places. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I-, I think we know all the basics of where sneaker culture is at in terms of resell culture. And I think there's a lot of rich Chinese kids, at least here in Toronto, whenever I walk through Chinatown when life was normal, like they would just have their off whites on and their Supreme North Face collab jackets. Like you mm-hmm. would see the same standard template uniforms, right? And yep, yep. What, is, what are the differences or what are the similarities or what should people know about sneaker culture over there?
1: Um, I. How do I say this? I actually feel like the sneaker culture in Shanghai is the sneaker culture in the States, but on crack. Like, it's I'm serious. It's like it's it's a little bit more intense. It's a little bit more expensive. It's a little bit harder to get. Like, you know what I mean? Like everything's a little bit like the ante's upped a little bit, and. I have to tell people, like being in Shanghai. Shanghai, let's let me start with this. Shanghai is not a third world like country. It's not a third world city. It is not, and no offense to, you know, Bangkok or Vietnam or, you know, in, any of those Asian cities. But Shanghai is like New York. It never sleeps. You know, there there are new um, high rises going up every you know every year new malls opening up like why do you think Jordan brand and Nike and Adidas push so hard during Chinese New Year i mean Jordan brand has chinese holiday specific releases like for, for people that don't know like singles day like every year singles day is november 11th 1111 it's it is china's black friday so Every year, there's a Jordan release. There's a Chinese New Year release. There's, you know what I mean. Like, uh, to to the regular person, they might just think of it as, oh, what what is Singles Day? It doesn't make any sense. Like, they're catering to the market in China because they know how much money there is to be made, and um, the the sneaker game out there is really competitive and it's really cutthroat. Because that hype beast that you say is in Toronto, well, guess what? That hype beast left Shanghai to go to Toronto, and all his hype beast friends and his his whole hype beast family is in Shanghai, supplying him. That. You know what I mean? Like that. Like that. It's hard to get shoes in China without a plug or not having to pay resale. Um, I like to tell this story um, to people who, just to give them some context. I remember when the BAPE NMDs dropped. Uh, you know how they came out two pairs? There was the green pair and the black pair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was in store to pick up the new, the, the, the hardened volume ones with the boost. And I went to go buy those basketball shoes. And it was around that same time when those released. And I asked them, um, Hey, what are you guys doing for a release? And it's like first come first serve. Uh, there's a line already, and this was this was about 7 p.m. Uh, the night before the release. The next day at 10, and so there was a line already. And I go out back, and not not that I was going to line up. I just wanted to go see how you know how crazy it was, and it was a, a first come first serve. There was about 50 people in line already, and about the first 20 were all the worked for the same person like you know what i mean like you're talking about in the states like a reseller like bringing his friends or he might be reselling like four or five we're talking like this person paid 20 people to line up and that's not even including like the other stores that he might have had people line up to or when you when they do phone records now that reseller has got like thousand phones you know raffle. like what are the chances of me who's one person trying to get a size 10 10 and a half versus the factory worker who's got his whole entire staff you know trying to raffle a pair of shoes because and i know this because i have friends i have friends who who do that like that's that's how they get their shoes. That's how they make their money is that they get their whole company, even though their company is not shoe related. It's just a company that is like, Oh, all employees. Okay. Uh, these, these are dropping. I want you guys to all raffle for me today.
0: So would you say that, well, I guess I'll ask you this first. So for like hype releases, like, are you able to have a chance to try to get those on sneakers or how's that different from people in North America?
1: Mm, okay so lucky for me uh china also china has their sneakers like when you choose a region so i actually get two chances so i can i can uh raffle for the, the sneakers in china and i raffle for the sneakers in u.s which is like 12 hours later so i know some people are like what you get two chances um but the china sneakers i mean you're going up against like I don't know, like 200 million people, <laughs> like more. Like, I mean, let let's be real here. Like, I I have one one time on the China sneakers app, and it wasn't even for like a hyped. It was like the Jordan four. It was like the fourteen last shot, and they had like a lot of quantity on it. Like and. Yeah, like I could have picked those up in store, but I hit it on the raffle. So it's not easy. Um, it's it's actually really, really difficult. Um, and a lot of places, they, which I like actually that they're doing now is that you just text in. Like, because the big Nike stores, they don't want the crowds. They don't want the hysteria. Uh, so you just text in with your size, credit card, you know, all that stuff, your ID. And then if you hit, they'll call you the next day and be like, you can come pick up your shoes at this, this, this time, bring your credit card that you input, bring your ID that you input. Like, I feel like that's such a more civilized way of doing things. Now, obviously the, the mom and pop stores, or not mom and pop, but like the boutique stores, they still like to generate that hype. They still like to generate that content um, and they'll do things like, okay, we're going to release the Jordan 1 Core Purples today. You must wear a Jordan 1 when you come and pick up your ticket.
0: Yeah, what about consignment shops? Like, are there just consignment shops everywhere then? Um, there are not consignment shops
1: everywhere. And I actually feel like they don't have that many because the, and and I know we'll probably touch on this later, is because the online retail uh, space is massive in China. So more people deal with that e-commerce selling than physically going into a store. There are a few. Uh, There's one that I'm actually pretty close with because I sell a lot of my shoes there. Um, So like if there's something that in my collection I'm trying to get rid of and they'll take new or used, Um, But you set a price and, you know, they'll just pay you out online and stuff like that. But the online marketplace is way bigger than co-signage shops in
0: Shanghai. In Shanghai, at least. So, obviously, in in North America, StockX and Goat are the go-to places. What about Mm -hmm. there for you?
1: Okay, so Goat is actually, has entered Shanghai. Um, I met with them uh, last year. I talked to their... um, you know, their higher ups and uh, we like they wanted to like pick my brain about you know how can they make a go more competitive against the number one marketplace, which is called Poison, P O I Z O N. Um, their Instagram page is very minimal. They probably only have like two thousand followers, um, but their marketplace in China is massive. It is like Goat, StockX, Facebook, all rolled into one because they don't just do sneakers um, like StockX. They do like hype apparel. They do, um, you have like a profile page kind of like Facebook and you can post your own shoes. You can go on there and not buy a single thing and just use it as a social media uh, web page. And their business is on fire. Yeah. yeah. Because they authenticate everything as well.
0: Yeah, that was the next thing that I was gonna ask you. I mean, I know it's a stereotype, but we are the kings of the bootlegs. Um mm-hmm. how how safe is that marketplace in terms of buying authentic pairs?
1: I don't I don't know, to be honest with you. Like that's my honest to God answer is I don't know. But I will say, just like StockX and, some, and Goat, is that the consumer is willing to pay for peace of mind. You know, peace of mind counts for something. And if I buy from a poison app, I kind of, I mean, unless there's like a drastic, drastic flaw, I don't really think twice about it. You know what I mean? And maybe that's ignorance is bliss, but hey, sometimes that's, that's worth it to me.
0: I think that's a really good point. I mean, I was talking to my friend Larry about this on another episode, and you talk about legit checks. I mean, when you buy on StockX, it might just be a guy who just started in the warehouse just authenticating a pair. Like, there's only so much trust or so much peace of mind that you can get. So you were talking about how Shanghai is kind of like the U.S. but on crack, and it sounds to me that sneakers... Like it is here now has become like a luxury item, especially with the hype releases. Uh, are you have you found though like different maybe uh, subcultures within sneakers there where there's enthusiasts like yourself who are just really into the shoes and not just about the selling and the reselling.
1: Yeah, um, there are, but I don't know how to explain it because I feel like even in this shoe enthusiast space there aren't that many because i don't i don't dress like like i might have expensive shoes but i don't dress expensive do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i don't feel like that's a very common thing at least in shanghai because if you have if you have the expensive stuff you want to flaunt it and so um I feel like that's like the third level. Like the first level is the reseller. The second level is the guy who has the expensive stuff but wants to wear it and show people that yes, I got the expensive stuff. And then there's the third level, which is like I have it, but I don't need to show you guys that I have it. And I feel like that is a very common space to be in 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 Asia. Yeah.
0: And what about because in in north america obviously there's a lot of podcasts like we mentioned the sneak discs mm-hmm. and a bunch of other sneaker podcasts and shoe tubers that get really famous mm-hmm. are there a lot of podcasts over there in shanghai um and tubers that are really famous over there you know there aren't that many
1: well okay podcast is uh
0: is still a very new thing uh, just
1: because of the regulation of content right like uh, there is no, like, there are certain things that you can't download, unfortunately, um, not without a VPN, uh, because, you know, the government is afraid of like, what you're going to say, and you're know, you going to be talking bad about China, you're going to be talking politics and, and all those things. So podcasts are still kind of like a unknown in that in, in that China space. Um, in terms of tubers. There also aren't that many, but what I will say is there's a ton of content creators that just so happen to also like sneakers. So I wouldn't say that their sole focus is on sneakers. So kind of like how um, uh, like Pest kicks right? Like on YouTube or Nightwing, uh, those guys are definitely only like focused on, on shoes. But whereas in China, at least, it's more content creators who also like shoes that might occasionally post about sneakers. I mean, if you think about it, TikTok was created in China. Like, think about that for a second. Like, that all that stuff was made in China. Like, it started there. It started... It was called Douyin. Uh, it's called Douyin in, in uh, China, but it's called TikTok in the States. And that started there. So, you know, they were they were on that TikTok thing way before this, this wave in the u.s and Italy.
0: yeah and, and last thing for you and i'll let you go wondering if like different shoes are coveted there versus in the u.s because i think we both know the trends in north america obviously the hype releases but also like Uh, Jordans like outside of the Jordan ones or maybe the classic retros a lot of Jordans will just sit on shelves here when they release Uh, do you notice like different trends with certain types of shoes like is there maybe a specific sneaker or a sneaker line that is more popular in China that'll sell out whereas it doesn't in the U.S. Mm -hmm.
1: let's see I'm trying to think of a shoe that did not sell out in Asia but sold out in the States. Um, Okay, well, let let me get to this first. Jordan 1's Reign Supreme. Um, OG classics. Anything that Jordan actually wore uh, Reign Supreme. Kobe's do super well because Kobe is the MJ in China because Kobe was like the first one to break that barrier and come to China and so they think of him as the GOAT. Like, I, I mean people love MJ because of his legacy, but people actually like are in love with Kobe the person. Um, and so these shoes always do really well. Um, you know, unfortunately with the passing like these shoes have shot up in price like nobody's business in, in Asia. Um, but the, the overall price point is more expensive in China than it is in the United States. So uh, our retail, for a pair of Jordan 1s is uh, about 190 So that's the retail price for us. Whereas I think Jordan 1s in the States are about $160, 170 something like that. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, like OG stuff, hype stuff, like the off-white, anything off-white flies. Um, Travis Scott, obviously. Like, Um, I'm just trying to think of a pair that, oh, okay. So for example, the DMP sixes that just, that just came out, I don't know how those did in the States, but you can still find them on shelf here.
0: Yeah. That's interesting because, so I don't know. Yeah. I I would feel like even a pair like that, because I know Jordan's and this is from my time, just growing up in Hong Kong and and knowing some people there Mm -hmm. as well. Like I know Jordan's are very coveted. Mhm. But I yep. guess the DMPs and, just didn't didn't hit. Yeah, I don't know
1: why. And oh, okay. So, for example, here is a pair recently of Jordan 1s. And and it's I don't know why uh, the the uh, UNC to Chicago that pair, that women's pair where it was the uh, baby blue in the back and the red in the front. That pair, for whatever reason, is uh 170 so that's under retail it's under retail in in china so that is like a random pair that actually a lot of people like because the leather quality is like super good on them. um but that's a pair that for some reason didn't sell well but there's no i i want to say that there's no rhyme or reason for it you know like i don't understand why it didn't do well um but let me give you an example i'm trying to i'm trying to find a pair of jordan one that i think is like super ridiculously overpriced for no reason
0: um it's funny to oh, me too okay. as, as you're looking it's funny to me because like mm-hmm. i'm just like looking at prices here and there on StockX, and even a pair of like jordan one shadows they're like 500 us now
1: yeah that's that's crazy to me
0: <laughs> well that's that a that's a whole sick. other that's a whole other story because yeah. when you look at some of the last sale prices on shoes it's literally just rich oh, people yeah. on there buying clout <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah exactly um okay so let me try to think of like something that came out recently that didn't do well in the states that is like absurd prices oh okay um Let's talk about the uh, Jordan One Reverse Bread eighty-five. You know that pair?
0: Yeah, that's a very that that was a very limited release,
1: super limited release. And on StockX, because I'm following it, um, that pair is asking for about six hundred U.S. dollars. I think that's like the lowest ask is like six hundred. Um, the lowest ask on Poison is eight fifty.
0: Yeah, so uh, I think, I think maybe limited pairs in the U.S. is gonna get inflated a little bit over there too, right?
1: Yeah. And, um, but I mean, they had like because yeah, you're right because that was what twenty three thousand pairs. But I want to say like a good chunk of them were in China because um, I know some friends that are that work in the Jordan stores and they got like they released in multiple places. So I know that china had their fair number of them but like i said like those are three hundred dollars more expensive than stockings
0: yeah no that's interesting well no i really appreciate you coming on and sharing your insight and yeah you got to come back on man we'll find different topics to to chat about but jay i really appreciate your time and stay safe out there and hopefully you get back to work and to regular life soon hey
1: yeah uh alex i appreciate you having me on man. like uh i just hope that people you know listen to the pod and kind of take take what we say seriously because it's it's a real issue out there and you know i hope everyone stays safe and do the right thing and take care of yourself you too buddy